Welcome to Sloanies Talking with Sloanies, a candid conversation with alumni and faculty about the MIT Sloan experience and how it influences what they're doing today. So, what does it mean to be a Sloanie? Over the course of this podcast, you'll hear from guests who are making a difference in their community, including our own very important one here at Sloan. I'm your host, Christopher Reichert. Hi, I'm Christopher Reichert. Hi, I'm Sammy Pibunya. And welcome to Sloanies Talking to Sloanies. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Love to be here. So tell us where you're working now and tell us about what you've been doing these last few years. Sure. Again, my name is Sammy Pibunya. I'm a class of 2003 MBA from Sloan. Right now, I'm working at Wellington Management. I focus on emerging markets and specifically on debt. I don't have to tell you that the last few years, and especially 2018, has been rough. But it's fun. I love it. It's, it's complex. It's a difficult area. But I believe that we are trying to allocate capital to places that need the most. So that's what excites me about it. And I see as a true financial market person, you have your pink financial times right here. Yes, I do. So tell us about the debt versus other market vehicles and what makes it particularly difficult. What I'll tell you is that debt investor, and sorry if debt investor get offended here, but we are a depressed bunch. We always think about the downside because our upside is limited, right? So you lend money to a company and you expect the principal back plus the interest. So not really exciting, theoretically. Unfortunately, in EM, companies and country have a habit of taking money and not willing to pay back. Argentina comes to mind and other countries. Uh, but what I love about the debt investing is that, at least in emerging market, you try to allocate capital to companies that are transforming lives uh, in, in these countries. So, yes, it, the upside is capped if you compare that, for example, to equity. But I feel like it, for the most part, it helps government and companies diversify their source of funding in a way. So this is at Wellington. So what is the difference between, and, and please forgive me because I, I know nothing about this and I'm hoping there are other people out there that don't and are thinking, please ask these questions. So here in Boston, I would go to a bank if I wanted to borrow money for a business or my house or, or whatnot. So what is the difference between that and Wellington? Where does Wellington fit in into all this, particularly with emerging markets? That's a very good question. So for those not aware, I mean, the Wellington Management, it's an investment management firm. You may not know Wellington as well as Fidelity, for example, because we manage money on behalf of institutions. So, for example, the MIT endowment or whatever, school, pension. And we, the way we manage the funds, is we have institutional asking us to invest their assets, their cash, into emerging markets, and specifically debt. We are responsible for managing the money on behalf of our clients, and the way we get the return is to invest in emerging market countries, companies, and that's, in essence, the job. I noticed prior to Wellington, you worked in high-yield bonds, so also a risky part of the market, right, Uh, with also a cap on the return. So uh, what I'm getting to is why you chose this area to work in. Was it personal interest? Honestly, I've done some introspection because you 
look back, I mean, this year was our 15 year reunion from Sloan and we all get older and wiser and you're trying to understand kind of the torturous path towards where you are right now. And I would say for me, first of all, it's a love of emerging markets. The way I would explain it is it's in my DNA. I grew up in a country called the Ivory Coast in West Africa. And I can tell you when I was seven or eight, I already knew what the IMF was all about. Because when the IMF was, and for those that don't know, the IMF is the International Monetary Fund. And at an early age, you know that when those guys come in town, that means austerity measures. The parents are not happy around the table. And as a child, you wanted to better understand how the world works. How can my country is in a position where they have to ask help, right? And that has always been kind of in the back of my mind, okay, solving that problem, understanding this. And that led me to engineering first. So I did chemistry as an undergrad, then did a master in chemical engineering in the quest of understanding how an industry work. And then finally, I said, well, I want to have a bigger impact. What just the industry? I want to understand how the countries, companies work. And this is why Sloan was instrumental in making that switch. So tell us, right prior to Sloan, or, or in the years leading up to Sloan, when you were thinking about going to business school, uh, how did you choose Sloan and what prompted you, first of all, to get an MBA, given your chemistry background? My first love was engineering, solving problems. But I realized that even when you want to solve like an industrial problem, the solution may require some funding, uh, some resources, right? And I would say I, as an engineer, I always had a soft spot for MIT. Maybe in my younger days, I wasn't smart enough to, <laughs> to do the undergrad at MIT. But uh, no, in all seriousness, it was first the engineering and MIT as a whole. Two, I really believe in the mission of Sloan. It's the only school I applied to, and people thought I was nuts. They're like, okay, the acceptance rate is 5%, Sam. And you're only going to apply to one. And I said, yes. I said, it's a huge investment. The opportunity cost is really high. It's Sloan or nothing. And it was a huge bet, but I, this is how passionate I was about Sloan. So I would say engineering first, principle, like the mission, right? The, to develop principal leaders. And I know the mission was clarified later, but... I felt when I visited Sloan, I was always impressed by the energy and people wanted to make an impact in the world. It was not about who's going to get the next big job. It was how you're going to have an impact in the world. So I love that mission-driven type of, of vibe here. And then honestly, when I visited, people were really nice, very humble, extremely smart. And that combination just confirmed what I, why I wanted to, to be here. And after 15 years after my graduation, I can tell you, it was the best decision of my life. And were you married at the time? Did you have children at the time? What role did your partner play in choosing to go back to school and choosing Sloan? So yes, uh, yes, yes to those questions. I was married, and I'll tell you a little story here. 
because my wife, we are high school sweetheart. So we've been together 30 years. I'm young, by the way, but uh, <laughs> we've been, yes, we've been married 21 years, but we've been together 30 years. So she's truly, we grew up together. But I can tell you the day I received my admission letter from Sloan, we were just coming back from a trip out west. And my wife is a physician, and she had a post at Stanford. And she's like, well, let's think about this. Sunny California, beautiful Palo Alto, and then you want to do what? (laughs) (laughs) Come to frigid Boston. Um, So she's been an unbelievable supporter. While we were at Sloan, we already had our first child. Medelik, who was adopted by the rest of the class. He was 18 months when I started, and he went to the MIT daycare. And honestly, that family support was incredible, incredible. And I, I tell you, my wife and I have made, beyond the academic and the intellectual tools you get here, we made friends for life at Sloan. And to this day, some of our closest friends Yes, I've heard that a few times from people that community is really important. So we all know that when you go to business school or in Sloan, that your classes are going to fill your brain with new ideas and models and frameworks and whatnot. But were you conscious while you were doing that, that your classmates would be just as important to you as you move forward? No, I have to make a confession here. When I Join, I was like, okay, I want to make a switch to basically solve bigger problems. So I say, I need to deepen my business acumen. But I was an engineer. So Sloan was really helped me grounded my skills in finance, accounting. Believe it or not, although that's what I do for a living now, but the first time I read a balance sheet or an income statement was at Sloan. <laughs> well, that's intimidating. Yes, it, it is. But when you ask about community, this is where Sloan to me shined, right? It's like the way people were helpful, right? They say, okay, this is a smart guy, but he's an engineer. He hasn't done accounting. He hasn't done finance. And you had former investment bankers, former accountants helping me, right? And I can, I'll tell you a little story. When we were interviewing for a position post-Sloan, uh, some of the recruiters were frustrated because as the interview schedule progressed during the day, the students were getting better. It's because literally people will, they, I would call it competition, right? People were just happy to tell you, okay, this is what to expect. This is why I fail. Everybody was rooting for somebody else's success. And that's incredible, very powerful. I'm curious to know if you could have a do-over for a class or, or really anything else at Sloan, what would it be? I have to make another confession. I think I'll do the same thing and I'll do the same mistake again. And the mistake being? And the mistake <laughs> being, I took, as any Sloanie would uh, uh, admit, I took, a, took up too much my first semester, right? So you come in a very intellectually stimulating environment and my brain couldn't stop, right? And the school basically allowed me to sort of experiment. So as a first year, I came in and I was like, well, I didn't hear anything about Africa here. This is, that makes no sense. It's a continent, there's almost a billion people. Why are we not talking about it? 
said, maybe because people don't know. So I'm going to organize the first ever MIT Sloan trip to Africa. Everybody told me, you're nuts. This is the core semester. You're not going to compete against the well-established trips. It takes too much time. And I have to say that uh, during the process, there's times where I regretted it. I was like, this is too much. Why, why did I do that to myself? So sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I should have handled this better. But no, I love the fact that I stretch myself. At times you struggle a bit because you take on too much. But I think this is why we came, right? To just experiment and go beyond what you thought you were capable of. So as you move through that first year and move towards the summer, did you start planning that evolution? Were you evolving in that first semester to what you think would be next for you after Sloan? And how did that affect what decision you made to, uh, to do in that summer? So I had a clear sense that I wanted to do finance and, and gradually gravitate towards EM. But uh, I look at my resume, I say, okay, chemical engineering, then four years of consulting, it's going to be hard to sort of do that as the next first step. So uh, the most important thing is to get an opportunity. Uh, and I was lucky. I was hired by a local bank here called Fleet. And I happened to work on the, the biggest deal ever in banking, where we sold Fleet to Bank of America. Sometime being lucky <laughs> because they're like, oh, we, you just came from Sloan. You had to be smart. This is a, this is a big big deal that we're going to work on. But that was kind of the luck. And, and the second luck was the fact that they were selling some assets in Latin America, and I love EM, and I communicate clearly that I don't mind going to Brazil, I don't mind going to Argentina, and I say, okay, this is yours. So in a way, it was, I have to say, you have to have a bit of luck, but because I had a clear sense of where I wanted to end up, I gradually build kind of the path towards that. So I want to come back to your childhood a bit more later, but do you see any parallels or lessons learned where you can correlate between where you grew up and the challenges in sub-Saharan Africa and your experience in Latin America and watching those economies evolve? Absolutely, all the time. First of all, I think you know you have a better appreciation, and, and I'll, I'll use this opportunity for a shout-out to Professor Rigobon because he basically changed my life. Right, because sitting in a macroeconomic class, and he makes it very entertaining, but it was very powerful because I finally understood the interplay between macroeconomics and macroeconomics and how decision at the top affects how the country functions and even companies. And to these days, the lesson from those classes helped me make better investment decisions. Now, when it comes to Africa and Latin, I see similarities where you have countries that are heavily dependent on commodity. And I remember I talked about the IMF and growing up knowing. And the reason why the IMF was showing up in my country regularly is that we are the largest producer of cocoa beans in the world. 40% comes from the Ivory Coast. So for those chocolate lovers out there, you have to thank the Ivory Coast for supplying the chocolate. But nevertheless, those are very cyclical. So you have a cycle of boom and bust, and you see that also in Latin America. And I would say 
a common thread in terms of weakness in those countries is governance. So you have a lot of corruption and you don't have a robust institutional framework. And that, to me, is kind of the similarities that you see. But honestly, as an investor now in EM, and I, I do LATAM, but also Africa, I think those early childhood lesson and being able to sort of understand the macroeconomic and also have a bit of empathy for people. When you're struggling in the system. Exactly. And now it's become a bit more prevalent in in financial circles, but I've always been pushing the companies that we invest in to be good citizens. Mm-hmm. And what I told them, I said, well, if you're not doing right by your communities, your business is not sustainable. So how was it you grew up in Cote d'Ivoire, and how did you end up at American University? What was that transition? It certainly had a bus commute. No, no. I was, you know, sometimes they say your first break in life is your parents. And in my case, that was it. Uh, I was very lucky that uh, my parents, Parents basically love North America. I was born in Montreal. You may not know that. My parents were studying in Canada. And my father was doing his PhD at the University of Montreal in economics. What's interesting about the fact is that he won a scholarship from an American institute, a random institute in New York, that was providing scholarship to very talented Africans to come study in the U.S. in the 60s. So he came as an undergrad. He went to Miami, Ohio, and then went to do his Ph.D. at the University of Montreal. I mean, those are the, I call them the Obama's father's generation. They all came to the 60s to do this Ph.D. So keep in mind that I grew up in a French-speaking country that was colonized by France, and most of my peers went to France for graduate school. Hence the Montreal connection. But I was one of the few that was set on a different path because my parents were familiar with the North American education system and believe, and I thank them every day, that it was a better fit for me. And so are you uh, an American citizen now? Yes, I am. So that that makes it easier. And how did that? Yeah, so so I've been in the U.S. uh, for 27 years. As I said, I did my undergrad in Washington, D.C., in chemistry, then did a master in chemical engineering. And then I was lucky to be sponsored by a company to have the green card. And after a number of years, became a citizen. And I'm happy to say that all my kids were born in the U.S. And we tease them all the time. We say, you have to understand you are multicultural, right? That you have ascendancy, in Africa, my wife is half from the Ivory Coast, half from, from France. And they, they roll their eyes and say, yes, we know, but we're from Boston. <laughs> so they're Bostonian. No, but we're happy. Love being in Boston, working in Boston, live in Cambridge. Honestly, since my MIT days, I haven't moved a mile away from, from here. From Sloan. So tell me about your work on the MIT Sloan Alumni Board. I know you're working on the diversity and inclusion initiative this year. Yes. So I've been on the board for two years and I head up the sort of the community and resources 
subgroup, if you like, and uh, focus on, on diversity and inclusion. This is a topic that's very close to my heart for a number of reasons. First, I'm of African descent. Two, as I explained the story of my family, my dad's scholarship came from the African American Institute of New York in the 60s. So I always had a soft spot for diversity, inclusion, and in fact, my experience at Sloan kind of amplified that experience because there was people from all over the world. And finally, my wife and I set up a fellowship fund to increase the number of African-American and African students at Sloan because I honestly feel like we could do better. And this is why I'm passionate about the project I'm working on on the board. I think the MIT Sloan admission and the school is doing a fantastic job addressing those gaps, but they recognize those gaps. And I would love for Sloan to have a student body that basically reflects the world. And that's kind of the mission. And I feel like uh, it's an opportunity for the school to do so. And I think with the help of fellow board members, we're working hard to sort of come up with good ideas to increase the pipeline of underrepresented minority and ensure that those that are talented can have an admission offer to Sloan and up Sloanese. Wow, what an amazing journey from sub-Saharan Africa to working in emerging markets. So do you have any departing thoughts for anyone who is listening to this, whether they're thinking of applying or, or to fellow alumni? So it's a Sloany to Sloany talk. Maybe the, the admission office in Sloan would not like this message because I'll, what I want to say is, Follow your passion. If you are interested in changing career or if you want to make a, an impact in the world, I think Sloan can give you the tool. So I think they will like that message. But the second part of the message is stay humble. Be patient. Because that's one thing that I feel like maybe it was our generation who were just coming out after the internet bubble right, the crisis in 2000. So I graduated in 2003, so I entered in 2001. It was difficult. But when we came out, things were starting to look up. And honestly, we, f- we felt rightfully so that we will change the world. But changing the world takes time. And I wish that message was driven home a bit more because I think the, there's a risk out there for the folks applying to business school to think that, Okay, you're going to have the magic wand. I'm sorry to tell you this. <laughs> it's hard. You'll be equipped with the tools to attempt this, but it's a lot of work. And I think when you come out, when you're 25, 27, you may not have that patient. And um, I can tell you now that I'm wiser. I didn't say older. Wiser. <laughs> it takes time. And so people have to go into their line of of work or there, even if it's a passion, even if it's a startup, and you know this, it requires a lot of energy, some patience, and of course, passion. Excellent. Wow. Thank you very much to Sam Epebunya for leaving us with that thought. Humbled, but still ambitious. Thanks very much for coming in today. Sloanies Talking with Sloanies is produced by the Office of External Relations at MIT Sloan School of Management. 
You can subscribe to this podcast by visiting our website, mitsloan.mit.edu slash alumni, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Support for this podcast comes in part from the Sloan Annual Fund, which provides essential, flexible funding to assure that our community can pursue excellence. Make your gift today by visiting giving.mit.edu slash Sloan.